Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So please take a minute and visit mbcocala.com stories to tell us your story. And if God has used this ministry to touch your life in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. Help us to continue delivering God's word to the world. You can give online or through our mobile giving app. Today, we are hearing a message from our series entitled, Do Unto Others. This series delves into God's call for justice and peace and invites you to be His hands and feet in a hurting world. Help me welcome our internet audience. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, we're in a series called Do Unto Others. When our, we're in uh, week four of this and continuing to break this down, I believe that this is very near and dear to the heart of God and certainly something that uh, we want to hear and grow in. I believe that a series is a season, and in this season, God is speaking some things to our heart, and I pray that you will keep your heart and your mind open to have what, what he would have for each of us today. Let's start with our main text this morning, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. It says, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is the essence, the sum total of all that he's put forth is that he wants us to treat people in the right way. And one of the ways that you can kind of qualify, well, how do I treat other people? um, It's kind of worded here that whatever it is that you'd wish that people would do to you, think of it this way. If I was in their spot, if I was in their shoes, if I were them, how would I want, what would I wish uh, as, as far as how people would treat me? And then you find the heart of God in that place. Go ahead and do that thing. And that's the fulfillment, I believe, of all the law and the prophets. Now, last week I talked about the word righteous or righteousness and a very, very um, big word in, in the Bible. And I drew out some things. You remember that? You remember that I, I drew out some circles and arrows Somebody posted online that I was full-time pastor and teacher and part-time football coach. (laughs) And if you'll go back and watch every game-winning touchdown yesterday, they ran my play. They ran my play. I'm just saying. So offers are pouring in. No. But we talked about righteousness first being right with God. And so we, we looked at it being up and then in, everybody say, well, let's say up first, up, and then it's in. See, when we're right with God, then God can, can rearrange some things in the right way, and then we start to act and think a little better. Right, and that's righteousness in us. Not, not a self-righteousness, but a result of being right with God and then being in sync or alignment with what he wants. And so you've got it working in you, and then it's not just for in you, it's to go where? It's to go out. And so we do right... And then we make right. And so do right, uh, those, are the things that, uh, those are the things that should be done, okay? It, that's just what should be done. And then when you make right, those are things that should have been done, but somebody has not done them. So sometimes you do right, you take care of your own, but you see others that are not taken care of. And then as God would lead you and God would help you, then you make right. Are you following me? And that's righteousness that, that you do that. Now, when you do right, most of the time, those things are pretty clear to you. You know, they're pretty prescribed to you. Like with your, say with your family, with your family, you don't have to be led or pray about, should we feed our children today? 
did y'all hear me? You go, honey, we need to pray and really hear the voice of God if we should feed the kids today. You know, no, you, you should kind of know that. Just do right. But how many of you know on the other side of it all, there's some people that are hungry because somebody has not done what they're supposed to do. And God may move on you to make right. So it's up, it's in, it's out where we do right and where we make right. Well, we've looked at this whole idea of do unto others and the do part, what do we do? We call it active goodness and mercy. Active goodness and mercy. Go ahead and say that with me. Active goodness and mercy. Why are you making me say everything you say? I'm not, but I'm having you repeat some things because that helps you to learn those things. And we didn't want to come today and just get excited or spend some time. We want to go out of here carrying something that we understand and we can apply so God can bless our lives and bless through our lives. Can I, can I get an amen on that? So do unto others. Today, what we want to do is discover who the others are, okay? So who are the others? Let's go ahead and look in Galatians chapter 6 this morning, verse 10. And Paul writes, he said, Therefore, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let's look at the verse just for a moment. As we have opportunity, you know, you are going to have opportunity. There will be opportunity to present itself. And so I want to encourage you, just stay alert, pay attention, because in your life, opportunity will present itself to do what? To do good. To do good. What is, what is good? It's to do right or to make right. It's active goodness, active mercy. That's what God wants us to do. Opportunity will come to you. It will come to me that we, to, that we do good to all. Now, by all here, it's an inclusive term, but it does not mean that you are going to uh, fix every person and take care of every need, every need. That's beyond the scope of what God would ask you to do. Uh, that's impossible to do. What he's saying is the opportunities that come to you, that God would bring to you, let us do good to all. Now watch this, and it starts to clarify and qualify just a little bit here, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now we'll come back to this verse in a few moments, but this last part, especially those who are of the household of faith, I love the way the message paraphrase brings it out. Let's look at that real quick. It says, starting with the people closest to us. Would you read that with me? Starting with the people closest to us. So do unto others. Who are the others? Well, opportunity will present itself, and we're going to do good. And where do we start? We start with the people closest to us. Read it one more time with me. Starting with the people closest to us. So that's going to take us over to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Let's, let's look here. Paul writes to Timothy, he said, but if anyone does not provide, watch this because every word counts. If anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household, everybody say my house. He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So instruction for us, New Testament instruction for us as believers is we are to provide for our own, watch this, we are to provide for our own first. Man, that really landed great. Okay. We are to provide for our own first. Our house, our immediate family, it's to happen first there. Where do we do good? Where do we have opportunity to do good? I'm going to go ahead and draw a circle here. We're going to have a number of circles here. 
And we're just going to start here. My house. Everybody say my house. So the first others that you're going to do unto is going to be at your house. Say it again, my house. And so my responsibility, your responsibility to do good, to active goodness and mercy starts at our house. So if anyone does not do that, it says, uh, especially for his own household, and we'll expand that in just a moment, he has denied the faith. In other words, he's living in a way that is a contradiction to all that we believe. Because think about this. The model for us is a heavenly father, and the heavenly father takes care of his children. The heavenly father takes care of his own. And so that's the model for us. And if we don't take care of our own, it's, it's, it's a contradiction to all that we believe. And it says you're worse than an unbeliever. It's like, it, this is as bad as if you'd never come to faith. Plus, a, a pagan even knows naturally, intuitively, uh, whether they do it or not, they know that I need to take care of my own. Now, I'll come back to some of those ideas in a moment, but I, this causes me to kind of transition in my mind. This passage we just read in 1 Timothy chapter 5, the context of that is widows, Okay. There's a little passage there, and it's talking about widows and that they are taken care of properly. And so at my mind, at my age, I'm 56. I know I only look 26. How many of you know 56 is the new 26? Come on. Am I, am I preaching good or what? 56 is the new 26. Well, maybe not. I don't have scripture for that, but anyway, I felt good today. At my age, though, you start to think this way. When I start to think about widows or widowers, I start to think about parents. And so if you're near my age or older or whatever, you start to think about parents. And now Scripture tells us throughout, uh, back in Deuteronomy, all the way up in in, uh, Exodus, that we're to obey our parents. How many of you know we're to obey our parents? But how many of you know at my age I'm not obeying my parents? I'm not disobeying them, but I'm not, you know, I'm not in the basement. I'm not calling mom, dad every day. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? You know, there comes to a place where you leave and you cleave. There comes a place, Galatians talks about it, where, you know, you're taught to a certain place. And it's like, now you go do it. Okay. So it's not disobeying, but it's like, I'm not, I'm not under their charge. You with me? So it comes a place where that kind of ends. And some of you, that's a newsflash. And anyway. All right. Scripture also says that we are to honor our parents. But listen to me. When does that stop? That never does. Now, with people, there's always complexity that comes in. I'll address the complexity real quick. You may have a parent relationship that is toxic or even dangerous. And God will help you and grace you um, on another level with that. I'm not talking about that this morning. I'm just talking about in general, your parents, you're to honor your parents. And how long does that last? That, that should go on and on and on. So again, back to this idea of my house and my, my household. Listen, there comes a time where there's a shift in life. There comes a time where we, and I'll say me as an adult child, there comes a time in life where now I am more able to take care of and help them, my parents, than for them to help me. Are y'all following? There comes a place in life where there's a shift. You don't bum off a of mom and dad forever. 
you start to help mom and dad. My mom and my dad are both gone, so I'm scot-free. No, I'm teaching, I'm teaching. <laughs> no, but I have a mother-in-law. I have a stepfather. Up in Ohio, I have a stepmother. My family got, went, <laughs> and so I, you know, I'm, I'm to honor and to help them. There comes a place in life where there's a shift, and it's no longer them taking care of me. We now should have the ability to help and to take care of them some. The principle is love descends rather than ascends. Let me, let me explain. We love him because he first loved us. The stronger helps the weaker. And as that shift takes place in life, we need to start to um, look at this. We need to consider. We need to pray. We need to think about this. And, and you ready for this? We may even need to ask our aging parents, is there something I could help you with? Is there something that you need? And all the aging parents said, amen? amen. All right, well, I couldn't hear you, but maybe you didn't hear me. But, um, <laughs> well, we can help you with that. So, but seriously, folks, listen, and that's just a side, just a little sidebar there. If you have parents, you're, you're an adult, you need to consider your parents. You need to consider, you know, is there some way that I need to be helping them and, and caring for them? I believe this is scriptural. This is New Testament for us. Well, we've got my house. Everybody see my house. And who are the others? It starts closest to you, so it's going to start my house, my people, so to speak. And then we're going to go out in concentric circles here, if you will. So we've got my house, and then we're going to go to the next level here. And in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, we read it earlier. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the, anybody remember? The household of faith. The household of faith. So I want to go ahead and our next rung out in this circle, we'll just put it this way, my church. And by my church, I mean those people. Look up and down your aisle real quick. Look, look up and down your row, both ways. And I want to tell you it's the most beautiful thing you've seen all week. Because this is, not, this is not just a slice of the city. This is a slice of heaven, of every tongue and tribe and kindred and nation and people. Multicultural, multigenerational. This is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. And we celebrate it here at, Meadow, at Meadowbrook. Amen. So the household of faith, the people around you that are in the family of God, if we can put it that way. And so it starts out, now, and before this gets any more complex, where should I give my best? My house. Are you with me? Now, God will help you and enable you, and, and we're going to take the circles even, even further out in just a moment. But listen, the first place that you need to be kind is it work? No. Where? It's your house. Uh, if anybody's going to get fed, it needs, needs to be my house. This is not selfish. This is, this is Bible. What, what, how God will help us with this. If, if I'm going to be helpful and encouraging and kind and those kind of things, it needs to be happening here and then happen here. Let, let me tell you, and, and, and then out here as we, as we go further, and then out there. 
But it has to start here. It's very scriptural that that's where we start. Otherwise, it's a contradiction of the model that God has given for us. Are you, are you with me so far? My wife had a friend growing up that was her schoolhood friend uh, all through school, lived about three blocks away from her. And her friends, her friend's mom and stepdad were involved in holding tent, tent revivals and street witnessing and all those things. And that's, that's all well and good. But here's the thing. They, her friend would come home from school as a preteen and a teen young lady. And there would be all kinds of people in their house, even in her bed and in her kitchen. Because we've got to help the people that are in need. And yet made their daughter vulnerable and, and do without and be really in a point of danger. And I say, look at me, wrong, wrong, wrong on every level, wrong. And so if, if there's a place for her to be taken care of and to feel safe, it needs to be at home. If we're going to help somebody, there's a place to help them. Listen, just because you see somebody out there holding a sign or whatever and they're hungry, you never put yourself, your family, your children in danger. You never put them at risk. There are ways to help people, but this, is just, this does not mean that you abandon wisdom. And there's, a, there's an order in this of doing unto others. So it starts right here. And these are the folks. Say, those folks. Those folks in your house, your people, those are the first people that you're to love, that you're to care for, that you're to work hard, provide for, to be kind, to be encouraging. Y'all follow me here? Those are the first ones because you know what? Those are going to be the last faces that are going to look down at your face when you're in a coffin. And they're going to look down at you. And I would hate for the last thoughts that they have looking down at you are like, glad that's over. Listen, and I'm being real with this. It needs to be this. Thank you. Thank you. We want to treat the last people that are going to walk away from you. We want to treat them the best. Now, do we have responsibility beyond them? Massive. But I'm telling you what, you can gain the whole world and lose your own. And the Bible says that's a foolish person. So we start out at my house. Everybody say my house. And then we go out to... My church, my church family, okay? And that's, a, that's one of the reasons we tell you, get into a small group. You know, and it's not just, well, I want to be in a small group where everybody knows me and, and thinks, you know, forget. Part of the reason you might even be in a small group is so that you can see a need and help a need and, and be able to encourage somebody and, and cheer them on as well. Amen. In the book of Acts, it says that the early believers in the early church, some of them would even, they'd see a need in a brother or sister's life, say, I don't have what it takes to meet that need. And they would even sell something so that they could go and help the need. And you'd just be led concerning that kind of thing. But look at this in John chapter 13, verse 35. By this all will know, Jesus said this, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If you have love for one another. Jesus is saying this. This is the mark of an authentic Christian. This is how people will know that you're the real deal. Is that you have love one for another. It was said of the early believers. It was said of them that look. This was a quote. Look how they care for one another. 
Look for how they care for one another. Let me ask you when you were coming up. Now, be careful if mom or dad or whatever's here. But, I mean, you can just, you know, just kind of look with me here. But how many of you growing up, sometimes you saw your friends and your neighbors, that kind of stuff, and you wished you were in that other family? Somebody, I know, I know mom's here and you're like, no. I did, man. You know, I, I saw, I, you know, I had a friend and they had air conditioning. Now, I didn't care if they beat their kids every day. I wanted, to live, I wanted to live in that house, you know. And I saw the way parents were or what they were allowed to do. I had one friend in seventh grade. His mom let him smoke and cuss. I can remember standing there, and he's like this, and, rah, rah, and mom's right there. Not that I wanted to be that. I, I don't even know what happened to it. I, is Alcatraz still open? I, I, I don't know. But I'm just saying I had... I saw families, and I love my family. You, you know, you, you follow me here. I love my family, but there were times when I was growing up, especially, it's like, man, I wish I was in that family. Well, guess what? We want to be so that way in this family that other people want to be in, in our family. And that doesn't mean I'm going to let you smoke and cuss. All right? Let's keep going here. Part of the appeal and the early uh, spread of Christianity was that Christians were so incredibly more compassionate and caring than the culture of the day. Church, Church history even points to that for many, it was not initially the message of Christianity, but the life of Christianity that drew them, that was the appeal that brought them in And then we add to that the dozens of New Testament scriptures that I call one another scriptures. I I gather just a sampling here. It says to be kind to one another, to love one another, to forgive one another, to encourage one another, to be patient with one another, to greet one another, to care for one another, to serve one another. And so... Who do we do unto? We do unto others. And it starts right here, my house. Everybody say my house. And then it goes to my church. And it needs to, and you need to do your best to love and care and encourage and and meet needs of, of people that are part of your church family. But it all needs to start right back here too. It comes from here and then it goes to here. Amen? Now, let's take this a little bit further here. And, um... Let's go to Luke chapter 10, verse 33. Do you remember the Good Samaritan? Let me set that up for you. It's a parable that Jesus taught. And there's a guy, and he's going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and, uh, or Jericho down to Jerusalem, rather. And he's on his way, and uh, there are bandits that come and rob him and beat him and strip him and leave him for dead at the side of the road. A priest comes along, shuts his heart up, and he turns and goes around him. A Levite, a temple assistant, comes along. He sees him, shuts his heart up, goes on around him. And then a Samaritan comes, just a regular guy, a Samaritan comes, and let's look what, look what happened here in Luke chapter 10, verse 33. So, said, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, everybody say, as he journeyed, as he journeyed, came where he was, where this man was, who had been robbed, beaten, stripped, left for dead, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had 
compassion. But I want you to notice this, that as he came, as he journeyed, as he journeyed, I don't, I don't know why he was journeying that day. I don't know if this was for work. I don't know if he was visiting his uncle, whatever. I, I, I don't know if he was going to an amusement park, I, but he was going about his business. He was going about his business. Y'all, y'all hear me? And as you go about your business, you're going to find some others. And as he came, as he journeyed, he came where he was. And this is the other part here. Let me draw this circle. We'll call this my path. So we do unto others and we start right here. Everybody say my house. And then my church. And then my path. And I'm telling you what, that if you believe like I do, and I do, that our steps are ordered of the Lord, they're going to be people that are in your path. They're going to be people as you journey through your day that God has brought into your path. And you may not be able to meet every need, but remember this, compassion feels the need and mercy fills the need. And if they come into your path, you should at least feel it. And you, could, you should check with God and see if you are to fill it. And he will lead you and he will provide for you so that you, you can do that. So we have my, my house, my church, my path. And I want to mix this up just a little bit here. And I want to call it this. My people. Everybody say my people. God's people. Are you ready for this next one? All people. Let's do it again. Who, who are the others? Who is it that we're to show active goodness and kindness to? I tell you, it's right here. It's my people. Everybody say my people. It's going to be God's people. And say it. All people. Say that one again. All people. And I believe this, that if we've got this right, we'll get this right. And if we've got this right and this right, we'll get this right. And when we're treating, when we're doing unto others active goodness and mercy, all people, you know what could happen? They may want to be in this family because we treat them right. Let's look at this a little bit further. In Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you, now watch this because every word counts. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Watch carefully. And you shall be weird. No, but I did go to that church some. Um, you, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall do witnessing. No. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall, come on, read it with me, be witnesses. I can't think of a better witness than active goodness and mercy that you are doing right, that you are making right because you've got it connected up and it's at work in and it's coming out and the Holy Spirit empowers you. Now you can be witnesses, but watch this. Be witnesses to or of me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. Here's what's happening. We're going further and further out circle-wise. Remember, they st- he says, start right where you are, closest to you, Jerusalem. And that is, if you go back and check history and culture, every circle, every line that you crossed was more and more diverse, 
more and more diverse. These cultures from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and on outlying circles as they would go, more and more diverse. The further out you go, the less that you have in common. The further out you go, the less you are alike. But you bring it back here, my house, my people, guess what? We're, we're, we're kind of alike. Follow this. You know, um, we kind of look alike. We sound alike. We talk alike. We smell alike. I, I remember a kid like fourth grade. I'd sit by him in class and I just thought, I think they fry fish every night at their house. <laughs> then I met his brother on the playground. They do. They do. They fry fish every, every, every. Whether you know it or not, your house and you, you got your own unique little whatever. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying. But the thing is, your people, you're more and more alike. That should be the easy place where you are doing unto others. And then as it comes out, you know what? We're more and more diverse but we continue to do unto others act of goodness and mercy. And we come out a little bit further. My people, God's people, all people, more and more diverse, but the requirement remains the same is that we are to continue to show active goodness and mercy. And I want to look at the red arrow again because I'm telling you what, when we're showing the active goodness and mercy of God in the way that we should, I think it makes people want to eventually become a part of the family of God. Amen. Keep your heart open. God may or may not lead you or provide for you to do something for somebody, but you should always feel it. Remember that? Compassion feels it. Mercy fills it. It's said this way. Mercy, think about this. Mercy is God's license to be good to you in spite of you. Did you hear that? Mercy is God's license for him to be good to you in spite of you. Mother Teresa said this, when you judge people, you have no time to love them. And so our, our job here is to, is to look for the need, not the cause. Stay with me a moment. Look for the need, not the cause. If somebody's in pain and need right now, you know, let's just use this as, a, as an analogy. You say, well, you should have wore your seatbelt. Well, right now they're injured. Right now they're in pain, so to speak. And you know what? We should look for the need. How can we help them, not the cause? We're real quick as religious people to tell them. I'll tell you what you should have done. But here's what we need to look to do is to give assistance right now, not advice. Maybe along the way, there'll be time that we can give advice, that we can encourage somebody. But I think the first thing that we need to do is active goodness and mercy. You know, the good Samaritan could have said to the guy who's robbed, beat, stripped, left for dead. He goes, you, you never should have traveled alone and you should have had some mace and you should have took karate lessons and, and you should have, you know, he could have done all of that. But what did he do? He just dove in and he helped and he gave of his own and it's active goodness and mercy. And Jesus said, that's what I'm talking about when you do unto others. And just bottom line, get it right with him. Let him do a work in you to help make things right. Up, in, and then it goes out of you. 
do right. And it's easy to do right here. It's easy to know what to do right here. And then as you come further out, you're going to see some things, not only that you're to do right, but that you're to make right. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, sometimes there's a widow. Sometimes there's an elderly person. Sometimes there's a single mom. There's going to be all kinds of needs that you see coming and going. Here, the grocery store, as you're on a walk in your neighborhood, you're going to see those things as you begin to see them. Ask God to lead you and show you. Because bottom line, Jesus said this, inasmuch as you've done any of this good to anybody, even to the least of these, you have done it unto me, Jesus said. I'm going to stop right there. Did you get anything at all out of this this morning? All right. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MBC Ocala.